Then they sang a us today. We're thankful that we're giving thanks with you this morning, that we could sing for you this morning, that we could be with you this morning and celebrate God's love. This is an old hymn, but it may be a new one for you.
Let the church say amen for the Dries Johnson Gospel Choir. They blessed us this morning and they will bless us again. Uh, if you would now prepare your hearts for worship for our prayer of thanksgiving this morning, we have uh, a special treat uh, where we will be doing the prayer of thanksgiving in the form of a dance. Not you. Uh, but we had the talented, amazing Kashimi uh, who is coming uh, to us now to give a prayer of thanksgiving. Listen now for a word from God.
Amen. Thank you, Kaede. Thank you, Kashimi. I'm about to ask my friend Kaede to join me. Thank you, Kashimi. We have the blanket here, and you beat me to the chase, young friends. It's time for the message for all ages. We're young and young at heart. Get to join me up here on the blanket. We have some friends coming from both sides today. Love it. We have We Care friends joining, older kids joining, and we are celebrating two things. We're celebrating that street fair was yesterday, and some of you got to play, and this I'm going to hand to our friend Kaede. Some of you got to play and dance and jump and spread love all along 2nd Avenue. And we're also celebrating in the month of May, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. That's why we had that beautiful fan dance prayer from Kashimi. So as we're celebrating those two things, I want to highlight what the kids answered yesterday at Street Fair. To get in the bounce house, you didn't have to pay any money, but you did have to answer a question. And the question was, how do you show love in your community? And we had phenomenal answers. We had answers like picking up trash, making new friends, smiling, voting. Are young people let me know voting is a way you show love in your community? I know. Some of you had soccer games yesterday. I missed you yesterday. I got to hear about the soccer games still. So the answers were so good. So in the spirit of making friends, I want to introduce you. just for practice. I know. We missed you missing the street fair yesterday. But I got to have my friend Kaede there do Japanese calligraphy. She is an artist and a teacher, and she does a lot at middle. And she's going to teach us two words that might help us also think about showing love in our communities. What's the first word? Okay, this is uh, this means love in Japanese. We say I. Can you repeat? I. 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 Yes, I. And this one means friends. We say. Tomodachi. Tomodachi. Yes. Again. I. I. And tomodachi. Tomodachi. Yes. Good job. Thank you. Thank you, Kaede. Yes. And this, this beautiful calligraphy is from Tomoki's mom, Junko. So snaps for Junko as well. I'll have this out in the social hall so you can appreciate the calligraphy even more close up. Tomoki was helping at the Japanese calligraphy booth yesterday too. We were showing love in our community through the street fair, but there are hundreds of more ways you can show love in your community. That is my challenge to you this week. How can you show love and friendship in your community? And my recommendation is that it might be by learning a new word or two words or three words in another language. That might be a way to extend love and friendship with all different New Yorkers that we get to live with as we celebrate this month together. So in that spirit, let's say a prayer together, friends. You can link up with the person next to you. And let's celebrate all month long 
Asian Pacific Heritage Month. You can repeat after me. Dear God, we celebrate. With our brothers and sisters. From the Asian Pacific American communities. Help us to show love and friendship. This month. And all year long. Amen. All right, thank you, Kaede. You can sing Siahamba as we return to our seats. from up here, it's great. Y'all look wonderful. Won't you pray with me, please? Ever-loving and holy God, on this first Sunday of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, we remember and give thanks to those who have gone before us and suffered discrimination imposed upon us by government, the government out of fear that Asians were taking away jobs from white Americans. We remember the anti-Asian sentiment which led to the yellow peril and the enactment of the Chinese Exclusion Act that prohibited the immigration of Chinese in 1882 after exploiting our labor to help build the railroads. And we also remember the internment of the Japanese Americans after the bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941. We honor those who, pay, who have paid their, with their lives while standing up to hate. God, it is said that unless we learn from history, we, will, we are doomed to repeat it. Help us, O God, to respond in love in the face of hate and give us courage to stand with each other. God, you know our needs even before we put, put voice to them and ask that you hear our prayers, both spoken and unspoken. We pray for those who are seeking employment or are underemployed, for those who are awaiting test results, and those who are dealing with health, health challenges, both physical and, and mental, and those who are living on the margins or in oppression. Help us, help us to be mindful of the ways you're always with us. God, we thank you, thank you, thank you. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Won't you stand join hands with your neighbor as we repeat the Lord's Prayer in any language you want.
greet your neighbors with the passing of the peace.
Wow. Wow, we wow. A reading from Scripture. Uh, today's Gospel reading is from the Gospel of John, 15, verses 9 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. you didn't, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, Middle. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Middle. Good morning. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You had the 9:30 service as a precedent for enthusiasm, so I'm just <laughs> just laying that out there. Just laying that out there. Uh, so my name is David Kim, and as uh, Rob so graciously introduced me, I'm so blessed and honored to be here at Middle. Um, what a wonderful, wondrous church you have. You know, I, I have often introduced folks to Middle saying that uh, this is the premier, premier social justice, multiracial, multicultural church of New York City, if not the United States of America. You are a beacon in these odd and strange and difficult times. And you will continue to be a beacon because this is a love-saturated church. It is a love-saturated church, and you are a love-saturated people. I can feel that every time I come here. If I lived in New York City, I would come here all the time. Uh, I want to thank uh, Reverend Jackie Lewis for the invitation to speak here today. Uh, Jackie, I believe, as Rob told me, is in Australia. Hi, Jackie. Um, you know, and I, I said earlier that, you know, Jackie's a genuinely a global preacher, right? She brings the word of justice, she brings the word of love everywhere, in her presence and in her service. I also want to thank Rob, who's a, he is a tremendously gifted pastor as well. <clears throat> I mean, you, you know Rob here at Middle, I knew him as a student at Union. Uh, I did not fully appreciate who he is as a national activist, working with the Moral Mondays movement and our dear friend and brother, Reverend William Barber, and the Poor People's Campaign. And Rob just told me that he's going to be organizing the Moral Mondays movement for Poor People's Campaign coming up, right? Right? Because he needs more work. I <laughs> uh, also want to appreciate Marta, what she does with the children. and. Gospel choir. 
and the band, and the band, and the band. <clears throat> if you're wondering if the Holy Spirit is here in this church, just listen and watch the gospel choir and the band. And John, where's John? I could watch John on loop, video loop. <laughs> the way he moves, the way the spirit courses through him. It brings me such joy and pleasure. And it brings me such joy and pleasure to be here as, uh, to help you kick off Asian Pacific American History and Heritage Month. Um, or, as we say in my household, every month. We like having, you know, May, but we like every month, too. <laughs> you know, I, um... <laughs> it's okay, it's always somebody. It's always somebody. You know, I, I come to you today with a message called, When Love is No Longer Strange. When love is no longer strange. You know, we hear a lot of talk of love, and we hear it uh, repeatedly in the liturgy and the services here at Middle. But often, I wonder about how well we understand that love. And that uh, wonderful song that you just sang of Kirk Franklin, you know, the mystery of love that comes down to us, that we do not fully understand. You know, I come to you as a Christian and as a Confucian, which means that I have been forged the traditions of love and the traditions of ethics. And those traditions of love are not always fully clear and transparent. And when I talk about love, I'm talking about the love of compassion, the love of generosity, the love of forgiveness, and the love of mercy, where mercy means bending our hearts towards suffering from a God who gives us that mercy freely. I am some, I'm a fool for that mercy and love because I have been saved more times than I can remember. And we talked about, in the Lord's Prayer, we talk about trespasses and sins. But I am one of those cracked vessels for whom I will always be seeking an abiding love for the sinfulness that is in me. Now, I say this because, um, not to make you feel bad, but I say this because it, it's important to have a kind of candor about why we worship, a candor about why we come together around the messages of love. And I mentioned my Confucian constitution because I am who I am because of the deep ethical relationships in my life, which is also to say I am who I am because somebody loved me, which is also to say that somebody keeps on loving me. I am the child of Charles and Anne. I am the father of Noah and Josiah. I'm born of certain communities. And out of those communities, out of that family, out of those relationships, I learned that I was worthy of love. But it turns out that wasn't even enough. You know, so when I think about the Gospels, I think about the message of loving friendship that we heard in the Gospel of John today that someone loved us so that we can love. Someone 
sacrificed himself so that we can love. So in talking about Asian Pacific American Month, really, I want to talk about the love that is called sacrifice. The love that is called sacrifice. For the, the word freaks in you, the word sacrifice comes from two words, soccer and fakare, which means to make holy, to make holy. You know, I come to the United States as an immigrant, the beneficiary of the sacrifices of those who came before me. I am a direct beneficiary of the 1965 Immigration and Naturalization Act, the third pillar Civil Rights Act of the mid-60s, which is to say that I am the beneficiary of the sacrifices of the freedom fighters that made that happen. So we can talk about Asian Pacific American Month, but we also can talk about the ways in which we in Asian America are indebted to African Americans. We are indebted to the freedom fighters, the Native Americans, and Latino Americans. It's not sufficient just to talk about one peoples and populations. We have to talk about our interconnectedness and the ways in which we need each other, and that we have sacrificed for each other, and we continue to make each other holy through those sacrifices. You know, Asian Americans have a peculiar place and role in the American experiment. We're often used as proxies in what we might call the white supremacist racial order. You know, in the prayer earlier, it was mentioned the Chinese Exclusion Act, which was a way of bringing in labor, but also excluding the proliferation of families, the anti-miscegenation laws, or the internment of the Japanese in World War II, which was the dark precedent for hopefully no more internments. But you hear those echoes directly affecting my family, my heritage is the Korean War, and of course, in terms of proxy, if you think about the American imagination around warfare, it's Vietnam. So that the inimical other of the American war state was forged in the 60s and 70s by this idea that the Vietnamese, the Vietnamese were the enemy that had turned our nation inside out and upside down. And even in this moment, Asian Americans are ser serving as proxies in other nefarious ways. Uh, you know, I am someone who considers himself part of the freedom traditions, the radical love traditions, and it troubles me when I see conservative Asian Americans siding, for example, in the lawsuits against affirmative action. This is a troubling affair. This is a troubling affair. They're not siding with justice, they're siding with that old American habit of self-interest. Where are my children gonna get in? My child did not get into Harvard. They only got into Yale. <laughs> Give me a break. I mentioned the indebtedness to those who came before us because if you really appreciate that, if you really understand it, you really come with a grateful and loving heart for that history. You would never 
put forward that expression of self-interest because you know, you know, we know that the barriers of access to education are exceedingly high, are exceedingly high. And again, so the uh, Asian Americans, my peoples, have served as a proxy for injustice in that instance. And so we come to speak the hard words, the necessary words of radical love, the hard words, the necessary words of a sacrificial love, which is to make oneself holy and another holy. It, I was, um, I've been thinking a lot about my family history in these days. Uh, as you know, there was that surprising meeting at the 38th parallel recently. And for those of you who don't know, the premier of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, met with the president of South Korea, President Moon. And in a series of remarkable symbolic engagements, cross borders, cross borders. Uh, I should say I was there uh, in Korea for the first time since I was born this past September. And, uh, you know, it, in many ways, it was, a difficult, it was difficult to come back. I left as a baby, but because of the memories are so hard for my family that it was hard for me to find the spirit to find my way back there. And it wasn't until my son, Noah, uh, decided to study there for this fall semester that I felt licensed to go, permission to go. So in that sense, it's not just an elder, but a, a younger person that gifted that grace to me. And I, I mentioned the crossing because when I was there, you know, I think in my mind as a child, I always thought of the 38th parallel as a, a little line, right? This little, little line, right? That separates the north from the south. And as you make your way from Seoul to uh, the demilitarized zone, you realize it's a wretched expense. And then I started thinking about my mother's family that made their way from North Korea to South Korea across that wretched expense, and my heart just broke apart. Uh, recently, and recently, my parents have started telling me, they're in their early 80s, and started telling me stories about the war. And uh, my mother told me that, you know, the, as you know, in the, the Korean War was initiated by, or so we're told, an invasion from the north to the south. The understanding of geopolitics at the time in the city of Seoul was under a tight regime. So my mother said, we were in middle school. The principal shows up and makes an announcement. We have to leave because the North Koreans have invaded. And two days later, she and her parents are refugees because they're from the north. And they were already in Seoul at that time and then had to make their way literally on foot the entirety of the peninsula to the south. Twice. Twice. And I said, why did you have to run? You were Korean. And she said, because we had North Korean accents. We had North Korean accents. 
So we knew people would seek us out. So we had this idea that peoples are people, and yet we turn on each other swiftly and quickly with an alacrity that is troubling. And so, um, somewhat troubling to my parents, I ended up uh, writing a public document this past fall. Because um, I sort of want to take credit for the summit. <laughs> so, you're welcome. So I, 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 uh, I co-wrote a letter to the New York Times uh, with my colleague George Yancey from Emory University. Um, and we, we titled the letter, A Letter of Love to Kim Jong-un, the President of North Korea. Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to read you a little bit of that letter because, you know, as you remember, there was a lot of, uh, as the media likes to say, saber rattling from our president regarding North Korea. Again, using North Korea as a proxy using Asians as a proxy to cover all the troubles here, to stoke a potential war that would cover a host of sins, he hoped, here. So George and I wrote this letter, and I'm going to read you some passages from it just to give you a sense of the call to love that we were hoping that Kim Jong-un could hear. Say, so we write to you as two American citizens, an African-American and a Korean-American, considered men of color in our country, who have suffered with our people under the history of America's white racist violence, yet who still dare to love. Just as we have faith in our fragile and imperfect American democratic experiment, we have faith that you believe in something far more courageous than words of war. Our aim is to meet you in the spirit of a resolute conviction that you are a human being who is worthy of being loved by us, and that we are human beings worthy of being loved by you. It is quite simple, really, and yet so hard for so many to see that we, North Koreans and Americans, are brothers and sisters. That straightforward yet existentially urgent statement is what, necessary, what is necessary during this time of crisis between our nations. These feel like especially loveless times. We write from the conviction that the values of a love-driven politics can transform who, how we engage each other, not only as nations, but also as human beings, which is to say, a love-driven politics insists that we seek compassion, generosity, kindness, forgiveness, and mercy for each other as much as we do for ourselves. Oops. As a Korean-American, I have to acknowledge you both as one of my people and very much not of my people. My mother's family is from North Korea, and so in some very real ways, you and I are of common stock. But land does not make for a family. If anything, you and your father have shown how land and nation can destroy families and traumatize them for generations. You are a leader of a nation whose people have suffered at the service of a political vision. At what cost has your loyalty to power come to your people, let alone to your humanity? And of course, we could have addressed this to our president as well. My mother's family fled North Korea because of the forces of war that are all too similar to the enmities that are threatening us today. And it was the consequences of the Korean War and the havoc it reached on my, wreaked on my people in South Korea that eventually drove my family to the United States. And through this migration and growing up in white supremacist America, I was transformed from our common stock to a Korean American dedicated to the ways of love. Indeed, as a Korean brother, I have been forged by my inheritance from Christianity and Confucianism. 
This means that my witness to you is born of traditions of love and ethical responsibility. Among the very real and central challenges of radical love is to adhere to the moral mandate to love our neighbors and enemies as we would love ourselves, as we heard in the gospel this morning. This is especially challenging at a moment in which love has been hard to find and discern for those of us who lament the ascendancy of our current president. We have had to learn how to love ourselves once again. So we reach out to you from the beloved community that holds the values of speaking truth to power with love. This is a calling, it is our vocation. We have no choice but to strive to live up to the grand examples of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Rabbi, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, of activists like Fannie Lou Hamer, and my personal hero, the great Grace Lee Boggs. These heroic figures have been exceptions to the insidious rule of an American legacy of white supremacy and imperialism that has left the least amongst us in utter despair. This tradition of radical love is an American tradition, even though it has drawn deeply and powerfully from people like Gandhi and Thich Nhat Hanh. So we come to you as citizens of America not yet fully realized. Thy kingdom come. One that insists on the ways of love can be the ways of democracy. That the challenge of loving one's neighbor and enemies is fundamentally a call for freedom and justice and hope we write to you with love and an appeal for forgiveness and mercy because history and our lot demand this of us and our hope is that it will demand the same of our fellow citizens with peace and love. David and George. Now I can't tell you that our letter convinced Kim Jong-un to show up at the 38th parallel last week, but I'd like to believe it. I can't tell you that the message of radical love has softened our president to meet with the president, uh, premier of North Korea, but I'd like to believe it. Because we have to believe in this power of radical love. You know, Rob mentioned the course that Cornell West and I taught on radical love, and one of the working definitions we have of radical love is that we it's to learn how to die in order for something to live. So the message of sacrifice is a message of radical love. Now, you know, growing up, the message of sacrifice in the Asian American household was guilt. You know what I did for you? You know what I sacrificed for you? Or my father's favorite one. You know we were war refugees, right? <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, I'll mow the lawn, I'll pick up my sister, I'll study harder. And it took me a long time to transform and transmute that mannered practice of sacrifice as guilt to understanding that sacrifice was about love that they did for me because someone did for them. And they would hope that I would do for others. They loved me. They made me holy through their sacrifice with the hope that I would do the same. You know, I come to you as a, as a teacher, not as a preacher, but as a teacher, 
that seeks to instill this message of radical love, of the sacrifice of love, with the hope that we can change our culture. We can turn the hearts of the culture away from rapacious self-interest, away from the pursuit of money, away from the pursuit of power, and again, to bend our hearts towards suffering. But that requires sacrificing ourselves. As Jesus said, there's no greater love than one who is ready to lay one's life down for a friend. What are we going to give up in order to love well and love fully? In order to live well and love well? I mean, that is a message of justice, but that's also the message of freedom and hope. I would be remiss in not mentioning the passing of a giant, Dr. James Cohn. Uh, the service, funeral service for him will take place tomorrow morning at Riverside Church. And I mention James Cohn, this grand articulator and architect of liberation theology, because he was the one who voiced the possibility that theology did not have to speak for the most powerful, but it could speak for the rest of us. that the cross in the American context could only be understood next to the lynching tree. That freedom meant nothing and means nothing if it, not, if it were not freedom for black folks and brown folks and all the rest of us. In the passing of a giant like that, who made space for so many of us, we understand that is a sacrifice. And so we can talk about liberation, we can talk about justice, we talk about sacrifice, but my message to you really is to be the sacrifice, to be the love, to find ourselves in that mode of making holy. You know, I, I often talk to my students about these three key words, and I'll leave you with them as well before I read a closing poem. Confidence, courage, and comfort. The root of the word confidence, cum fides, means to come with faith. Courage finds its root in the word heart, cur. And comfort, cum forte, means to come with strength. To come with strength. Imagine a culture that insisted that we came and come to every context, come to meet suffering with faith, with heart, and with strength. We don't have to imagine because we can live it. We don't have to imagine it because it has been done for us. So I come to you again as someone who has been gifted with those legacies of comfort and courage and confidence. And I'm going to close with this beautiful poem by the Chinese-American poet Wang Ping. It's called Things We Carry on the Sea. We carry tears in our eyes. Goodbye, father. Goodbye, mother. 
We carry soil in small bags. May home never fade in our hearts. We carry names, stories, memories of our villages, fields, boats. We carry scars from proxy wars of greed. We carry carnage of mining, droughts, floods, genocides. We carry dust of our families and neighbors incinerated in mushroom clouds. We carry our islands sinking under the sea. We carry our hands, feet, bones, hearts, and best minds for a new life. We carry diplomas, medicine, engineer, nurse, education, math, poetry, even if they mean nothing to the other shore. We carry railroads, plantations, laundromats, bodegas, taco trucks, farms, factories, nursing homes, hospitals, schools, temples, built on our ancestors' backs. We carry old homes along the spine, new dreams in our chests. We carry yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We're orphans of the wars forced upon us. We're refugees of the sea rising from industrial wastes. And we carry our mother tongues. I, hub, lieb, amor, love, pingan, salam, shalom, paz, peace, zuang, amal, hafnung, esperanza, hope, hope, hope. As we drift in our rubber boats from shore to shore, to shore. We carry the sacrificial love inside of us, even if we don't recognize it. We carry the gifts of grace in us as we should recognize it. So I send you now to consider how we might be the love that carries ourselves with courage confidence, and comfort. Amen. Good morning. morning. We can do a little better than that, a lot better. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, thank you. Let me get it together. (laughs) I am John Lucas, and I'm an elder here and a member of our local consistory. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term consistory, it's like the board of directors or board of trustees that you would have at a nonprofit or a corporation. And I'm very proud to be a member of the consistory, and I take that role very seriously. And every day I just sort of hope that I can bring honor to that privilege of being able to serve you and our broader community. In the past, I've been up here to invite you to join the movement, and I've talked about how I came to be at Middle Collegiate. Wow, is this getting louder? (laughs) How I came to be at uh, Middle Collegiate and my journey, which started about 10 years ago. But today I'm going to talk to you about something a bit more personal in my life. And that's about one of the reasons why I've stayed at Middle and why I chose Middle and why every day when I wake up, I continue to choose middle. It's because middle is the place that has taught me 
and it's where I learned how to pray. Um, some of you may say, oh, that's easy, that's easy. You know, when I was a child, I, as the song goes, you know, talked and prayed like a child. But um, as a more fully realized adult, middle has taught me so much, whether it was through Christina teaching me how to pray dangerously, whether it was Allison who taught me how to pray through meditation, and now I'm just very proud to be a member of the prayer ministry here at Middle, where we pray every day for, for you. Um, we get these requests that are in your, in your seats. They don't go into a black hole somewhere. Every week, Malia, she gets them with the staff and collates them, and she sends out the prayer request to our mighty army of, of folks, and we pray. We pray for a variety of things, and I found through that prayer how to love, how to feel, and how to care. Sometimes it's as simple as a child asking us to pray for a dead puppy, but then there are other times when it's an adult child who's praying for a parent who's ill and in terminal pain, and then there are times when it's that parent who's asking us to pray for that child who is taking care of them. And it's through that process that I learned a lot about my brothers and sisters here at, at Middle. The maturity that comes with that comes from being humbled. I grew up in a family where we were taught to be very proud in terms of our accomplishments, but when I look back at the needs and the things that people ask us to pray for, I realize there are times when I do feel fortunate and I'm thinking, how can I help? So through joining this very powerful and very enlightening ministry at Middle, I find that I'm able to help and that's a very important thing for me to be more than a member of the board, but to be able to participate in what's going on in the lives of our congregation. There are a number of ways that you can help as well. And I ask you to think about the things that you care about here at Middle. For me, as I mentioned, it was the prayer ministry. And you may say, well, John, that's one of those things that's mostly volunteer-led. It doesn't really cost much. But think about the other things that do cost. And I know you've heard this week after week in terms of our goals. We are just shy of two months of our fiscal year ending. And we are within 15% of that goal. And that's $94,000. It sounds like a lot, but I know that it is, is doable. So I'm asking you that as the choir sings, and as we're doing the collection, to think about what it is that you can do to help us make that goal. And we've even come up with ways to make it easier. You can do a recurring gift. And if you're already doing a recurring gift, I ask you to think about adding on to that, making a one-time gift to help us reach that, reach that goal as well. Because Without your support and without those resources, some of the things that you may care about 
we may not be able to do, or we may not be able to grow. When you look at our annual goal, I'd say we're 15% short of that, and we need $94,000. We're ahead of where we were last year, but we don't want to stay in the same place. We want to grow. We want to be able to do more. So please take that in consideration as the uh, offering is occurring. And if you do want to learn more about giving a recurring gift, I'm going to be up here at the end of the service where I can help you to join the movement. I can answer your questions about um, the various opportunities we have here. And I can also take your information so that Rebecca can reach out to you to show you how to do a reoccurring gift. Now, as I mentioned, um, I've been part of the prayer ministry, so I won't quite say that I'm an expert, but I'm very good at it. So I am going to pray that you guys are going to join the movement with me. So I expect that at the end of service, there's going to be a line going all the way around the church with people coming up here to, uh, to find out more about the join the, the movement. There was one other thing I was supposed to say, Rob. Okay. Thank you very much.
you love us and have blessed us with gifts and the ability to give so that others will know love through our ministries. For these gifts, we thank you. Amen. Holy love, you are beyond, who are beyond human capacity to understand, whose spirit cannot be tamed by human language, and yet who comes to us intimately, as close to us as each breath. Even when we turn away from you, you are with us. Your presence never fails us. Your gifts of hope and new life transform us. We thank you, God, for Jesus, who in your love enfleshed who in your love and flesh, we showed, uh, who showed us that our love for you is incomplete without love for your creation, for your people. We celebrate today in the company of our ancestors, those who were chosen for us and those who chose now to call on in this time of, of need. On the night before Jesus died, he took a loaf of bread and gave thanks when he was with his friends and said, take, eat, whenever you do this, remember me. And after supper, he took a cup of wine and said, this is my blood, a sign of a new covenant poured out for you and for many, drink it and remember me. We remember, we remember his life we remember his friendship, his teaching, his dying, and rising to life again. God's spirit, we call on you to transform these familiar things as you continually transform the world around us. Let us pray. Creator God, bless this bread and this cup, the wheat and the grape, the farmer and the harvest, the seed and the sour. For that in sharing of these simple elements in community, we may taste and see your goodness so that we might catch a glimpse of what it is to be in communion with you and with one another. Amen. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. The table is set. All are welcome. All is ready. At Mill Church, everyone is welcome. You get to be served by a wonderful uh, communion service today. Uh, we'll begin from the balcony and also from the back and from the sides coming in, and then we'll get the choir at the end as well.
thank you for learning the closing hymn uh, on your own, which that will serve as. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, let the church say amen for our choir and bands uh, for their amen. worship today. And especially for the rising sun. Uh, And to Kashimi, who had a different Asian dance, not a fan dance, but a beautiful dance for us today. Thank you. And, uh, and of course, for our communion givers. Isn't that something? Please do join us at 2.30 for the Mosaic concert if you want to keep on rocking. Uh, and we do have small groups uh, that are in your bulletin as well. Uh, and please uh, give a hearty amen for our preacher today, David Kim. I want to thank you all. I want to thank you all. So go forth, be the love. Be that sacrificial love. Be the love that is filled with confidence and courage and comfort. Show an example to this world that needs you and needs us. Amen. Amen. Amen.